to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now. Well, too close. Join me now, won't you? For a full hour of joy and merriment through the uh, miracle of radio. Oh, that's just me. That's not. You thought somebody was ham jamming. But they're not. Bless y'all so much. Detective. telling him I said uh, it's true as long as I've been a detective I have never seen anyone hang on I gotta take this hello uh, you better get over here you'll want to see this oh all right I'll be right there oh good lord how do you think that happened I don't know it was like that when I got here oh my gosh you know, it's true. In all the years that I've been a detective, I don't say, hang on, I gotta get this. Um, you better get over here. You're gonna wanna see this. I'll be right there, Butchie. Whoa. Oh, I don't know whether to laugh or be sick. I've done both so far. I'll laugh a little, and then I'll throw up. Yeah, uh, this leaves me baffled. It's a heck of a crime. You know, it's true. In all the years that I have been a detective, I have never seen anything. Hang on a second, I gotta get this. Hello? Ah, yes. Um, you're gonna wanna get over here. Cause I'm gonna wanna have to see this? Cause you're gonna. There's something you, I have to see? Yeah, there's something you have to see. All right, I'll be right over. Get over here right away. There is something that you have to see. It is a human life transpiring. Look at its condition. It screams out for justice. Who among us will be the true detective that will bring sense to this senseless transpiring of situationalness? What is going on here now? Clue me in. Well, we found this person living their life here on Earth. Well, give me more information. And, well, there's various triumphs and tribulations that have happened to him. A lot of suffering, some suffering. And there's a, a little bit of joy in there. I see it. There's a little bit of joy like somebody hit him with scattershot, like with birdshot. Birdshot joy. Now, uh, I see some of it has lodged in there under their skin in the form of memories. Yes, that is, we have noticed that. Notice that we've made a chalk outline of them on the floor. Yes, and I see, and they're animated. I know they're dancing. How did you do that? Well, we 
we erase one and then we redraw it. Well, okay. And I don't know how you make it transpire in real time. Nothing here is real. Oh, it is real. Where a human life has been and where it's trying to live its life is like a sort of crime scene, but with balloons or something. Well, a lot of crime scenes probably have balloons. Not a lot, but I can just off the top of my head think of, for insurance purposes, you could have seen the Hindenburg as a crime scene. I mean, come on now. Something's going on there. And you'd have to have an insurance person investigate it, like in the movie The Killers, which is Burt Lancaster's first movie, which I can't stop talking about because I just enjoy it so much. And I have a comic book coming out of it. And I thought, because I had read that there's a comic book of No Time for Sergeants. And I thought, well, maybe all old movies should have. It came out at the same time as the old movie. But all noir movies should also have a comic book that goes along with them. Listen, I'm just trying to solve a crime. Why do we always like to pretend to be detectives? I don't. Well, some of us do. No. But let's say you do. Cop? I'm not a cop. I'm a detective. Like Sherlock Hemlock. Listen, all. Come on. Hear me out, first of all. I'm talking about being curious about something and then inserting yourself in a situation like Father Brown. Now, I've watched a lot of these. Now, he is clergy. The TV Father Brown is different in every way, shape, and form from the G.K. Chesterton Father Brown, which is stupid anyway. those are I've read them all, and they're dumb. I wish I hadn't. No, I've never... that I never wish that about anything. Well, there's some things I bet I wish I had undone, but we'll get to that later. It might be able to... I may have already undone them. So that's how time travel works. So we'll, we'll get to that later. But these, uh, Father Brown on the TV show is played by um, the wonderful Mark Williams. And, he has, and he's been in the role now for 28 years, 30 years or something. I don't know how long it's been on. But he plays a priest who uh, inserts himself into, much like Murder, She Wrote Lady, just like kind of inserts yourself as an amateur in a crime. And police love that. So if you show up at a murder scene, you go, I'm here just because I'm here to be helpful. And none of them will find it helpful. It's so funny because they don't beat up Father Brown. And that's where it doesn't ring true for me. I think they'd club him or something. Say, get out of here. Come on. Even though you're a priest or especially. You know, it's probably also all those murders so close. And, and he's never a suspect. In the actual Father Brown stories, the cop in the first, very first story, I think, Valentine, is the bad guy. Or in the, by the second story, he's the murderer. I think that's great. Brilliant. Kill him off. Second episode. TV's not brave enough to do that. If I was in charge of television, let me say, if I was more than a radio detective, and that's what I am. Yeah. Why? Because I say I am. Are you anything you say you are? <clears throat> I used to think not, but now I'm cynical. And I think, well, yeah, you really are. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that cynical? Well, that means that anybody could just say they're anything. And then, um, and it's not always justice then. Say, well, hang on now. I've studied for years to be, uh, uh, think of something, make waffles. What? Uh, chef. There you go. And then here, someone comes along and they're like, you know, on 
TikTok being a chef or something. And you might feel bad because you're not making any money and you're having to work at a, one of those breakfast places that is open all night and in which people punch each other in the face. So there's a lot of prepositional phrases in there. and Some of them are not fun or unpleasant. Oh, my goodness. You know what I've always enjoyed, and I don't, I don't see them as much anymore, and that is uh, churches that are just nothing but prepositional phrases. Uh, for example, you might say that the, uh, the church of Jesus Christ in the Bible of so-and-so springs before the Lord or something. I, I was, that's a poor example. But sometimes they'll have like everyone you can think of beneath this, under the, it's like a list of Planet of the Apes sequels. That's, a, that's how I memorize all my, you know, preposition. Well, all the things you can be. You know, um, under things, by things, with things. Isn't that interesting? Interesting to me. I'm, I'm just interested in these things. Why? Because life terrifies me. So I'm just trying to, you know how like if you're really, were you really scared as a child, you just said, that's a really interesting thing on the wall. And you just kind of stare at it and pretend you're interested in it and you're just terrified. That's how I am with all my hobbies and, and interests. Really, I'm just focusing on them, so I don't see the, just the abject terror of being alive. And I think, well, that's a heck of a thing. This doesn't seem very comforting, Hardy. I thought you wanted to comfort people with your detective thing. No. First of all, I have to acknowledge it. There's something wrong here. If I walk into a room, whether I'm detective, I could be Philo Vance, or I could be your Uncle Tony. Uncle Tony? Uncle Tony walks into a room, and surprisingly, he doesn't have some kind of stereotypical regional accent. His name is Tony. Lots of people named Tony don't sound like, oh, right? <clears throat> so Uncle Tony is there. Listen. Uh, your life, it's not a, it isn't a tra it's not a tragedy, and nor is it a comedy. Nor is it, I don't know what it is, or a play or anything. But first, before I do anything, I acknowledge that there's something going on and that uh, it ain't easy. And it's not easy to figure out, like this show or like challenging theater. Is this show challenging theater? You tell me. You tell me. You tell me. You tell me. I don't feel challenged. I don't feel challenged. Hey! That's the way you do it. You flip it around on him. I learned a lot of logic tricks from the cartoons. And the cartoons are written by, largely, by and large, by alcoholic men. I'm not even going to pretend in the mid-20th century. Oh, what's the point? And they would a lot, put a lot of that philosophy into the cartoons, I believe, that were not really intended for children, for tiny children on TV in the 60s. They were intended for people in the theater who were also drunk. So I a lot of you know how um, if something is conceived drunk, then it needs to be consumed drunk. There's a lot of movies like that, and people don't get the people who make them don't quite understand. So uh, Sean Young came to speak at a fest here, and she was talking about, and the that was Harry Dean Stanton fest, I guess, and uh, the movie was 
Young Doctors in Love, and she was in it, and Harry Dean was in it. And she was saying different movies that she were, was in were di driven by different substances. And so the people that were in that one were on a lot of pot. And so I'm thinking, well, that tracks because you need really a lot. You'd have, like, I'm thinking like a 50 milligram gummy would be your young doctors in love chuckle dose. And um, and then she was saying she was in, uh, God, I can't remember what the, Stripes or something? Was she in Stripes? She said that was a cocaine movie. And then maybe you have to be on cocaine. To and then she said Dune was an alcohol movie. And maybe you have to be drunk to see Dune. I'm just guessing about these things. And um, I was on cold medicine when I saw Paddington 2. And I'm curious whether, because I felt like totally in sync with uh, Simon. What's, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The, the genius who wrote it. It's a good movie. It's my Barbie. So listen, uh, if we're going to be detectiving together, we're going to be riding around in this car. Well, that's not necessarily true. If we're, what model are we using? Sherlock, not model car, but are we detectives in the True Detective TV series? There's car riding in that. And... um. I love, as an actor, I really like the days where we'll be filming in the fake car. And uh, I love that and doing my lines like that. And um, so I'm hoping we do a lot of those scenes together, you and I, where we're detectives and we're chatting in the car. Since the car's driving itself anyway, I think we should be in the back seat and there's nobody in the front and let the audience figure it out. Who's driving the car? Exactly. That's part of the mystery. Some of the mystery shouldn't be so easy for people. I like a MacGuffin, a good MacGuffin. MacGuffin's driving, you idiot. And so uh, figure it out. Not all the, and the red, the place they're eating at is called the Red Herring Inn. So go on the podcast and you'll get some fan theory, fiction theory. Isn't it exciting? I love that, that people interact like that now. It used to be, that used to be what they'd do with their religions. And now they do it with t television shows, and I think that's wonderful. Can you imagine the old days, all the scholars gather around discussing the Bible or something, and now, you know, it's uh, explain Twin Peaks The Return or something in a beautiful, uh, almost like, it's almost like the Talmud. I think those four hours explaining that that's our Talmud. That's our generations. You add to it. See, the Talmud's got comments written about it, so you make the comment. And then generations write around it, and the margins go like, ah, oh, this is uh, here's here's why this is baloney. So it's uh, Talmud is the generations of margin writing, and we could do that with com um, online comments because you can comment on comments. And so we are really making a sort of wonderful eternal video Talmud that's about absolutely nothing. I don't mind. I've been bathing in the absurdity. Since uh, Marge, my manicurist, threw me into it like so much liquid soap. And I really don't. And it's made me soft and pliable. And now the waters of tribulation run off of me like off of a duck's uh, back or any other area. 
Are there any absorbent parts of the duck? There must be because uh, my duck diapers are, made, are called that. So I assume, oh, it's something duck, some part of the duck that's super absorbent. Bill? I don't know. No, I don't wear duck diapers. I don't know, even know what that is. That sounds like a musician. And I love music. And I listen to it while I detective. And sometimes, if so, if there are clues that are oral, like there's a <clears throat> parrot yelling, I'll tell you who did it, I'll tell you who did it. I'll be, I'll be drowned out by the techno music that I'm playing just to soothe my uh, various neurological challenges. But I won't hear the parrot. How many times in your life have you been at uh, a scene, let's say, detective, and trying to figure something out in your life? Maybe you've made a wrong decision, and there you are standing over the wrong decision, thinking about it. You're trying to say, what happened here? And, you know, the whole time there's been a part of you that's a sort of parrot watching your mistakes going, find the ladder or something. Now, maybe you can't hear it for some reason. Maybe you just ignore it and go, shut up, parrot. But the parrot doesn't say anything that requires independent thought. It's just saying what it heard. I heard it from you, Dad. Like that. I heard about drug use from you. Arr, cracker. What? I beg your pardon? Nothing. What did you just say? Nothing. Drug use. What kind of parrot are you? Bye. You want them Flintstones parrots that can talk and that can carve pictures out of stone. Those birds inhabited this area before there were man here. All this was... Three kinds of species. Terror birds. They could rip the flesh from any kind of uh, cow being or mastodon. The second kind of thing were flintstone birds, which were smart alecky, smart alecky, talkback kind of birds. You'd say something to them and they'd go, nye, 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 like that. And for a long time, we thought they were mimics like a minor bird. But it turns out they're flippant. And they could speak all along. They were just repeating what you say, like, like Kirk Gottschalk used to do during Marathon, when you'd co-host with him. When you'd co-host with him, like that, he'd do that, he'd do that. So, uh, I didn't know at the time. It's so funny, because I was about to put a hit out on him, and then we had coffee. I was like, it's okay. And then it goes, I called during coffee. I was going, nope, don't do it. No, I don't put hits out on anybody. My goodness, I'm a gentle soul. Don't you know by now? There's no one gentler. That's not true. I'm a, I'm all, I'm only prickly out of fear. I'm only, man, I'm a gentle soul. And if I ever seem like uh, mean, it's because I'm scared. Right? Because I think fearless, you know, if you're truly strong or something, you don't have to be nasty. That's just, scared critters are nasty. They snap at you or something. Real, you know, I stood, there was um, one of them uh, videos. You know, you're just scrolling through something, trying to use your phone as a narcotic. And you, there was a film of a very large species of tiger, Siberian tiger, walking in on normal Tiger King tigers. <coughs> 
and they all just backed up real slowly. He just walked in. I don't think he had to do anything just because he looked like Reacher. Now, that's what, you know, there you go. Uh, now, Reacher has to do stuff. They see him, and they st he's still got to headbutt people, but it wouldn't be a show. If it was just some enormous guy intimidating people without ever having to lay a hand on him, is that even, would that even be a show? I'd like that. <laughs> just my friend. I go like my friend Bill or something, and then Bill is just like a giant, like like Andre the Giant, but like ripped, and maybe even a little bigger. So nobody even comes for him or anything, and bullets they they nothing even works on him. So we just hang. You know, it's a, not a not a crazy good show, but there's not a lot of violence because it's just me and my giant buddy. I guess it's that last episode where the Air Force takes him out with missiles or something. I think that probably is a movie, now that I'm thinking about it. My big robot friend or something. I don't know. God bless us. We all long for that. If I don't know how to protect her. That's what you think, you see. I wouldn't have to be scared and nasty if I had some protector. Couldn't somebody we're all afraid of bring peace? No, it doesn't work like that. Fear transcends any reason ever. You know, you can't conquer fear with fear. So you can't bring your giant to scare people into being nice. So how do you do it, Hardy? If <clears throat> I knew the solution to the crime before us, I would not need my detective badge or my detective kit. My detective kit as a child came with two things. Well, maybe three things. Four things. A small container of talcum powder. A small container of powdered graphite, the kind you use to loosen locks, to lubricate locks, because you don't want to lubricate lock with any kind of liquid lubricant, because it'll seize. What? I'm not going to get into it with you. What else did it have? Some kind of thick tape and a little card. And maybe a brush. What is that? That is a junior detective fingerprint kit. And the white powder is for dark surfaces. And the dark powder is for light surfaces. So what you do is you brush the powder on. You go, ah, see a fingers print. And then you take the tape and you put the tape on the fingerprint and lifts it off. And I'll tell you what my mom, part my mom liked is that you put... I get to put powdered graphite on everything. What else is powdered graphite? That's ground up pencil lead. So yes, it marks stuff up in stains, but it's worth it because it's fun and you get to play detective. And so that gave my mom some hard choices and she chose mob violence, if I remember correctly. So, but I, maybe I put her in that position. I don't even know. My judgment wasn't so great as a kid, and they make detectiving seem fun, and it still seems fun. And I go out there, and I, I, like I said, I'll, uh, if I see there's police tape, I just duck under it. Or I, hop, I tried hopping over it, and I broke my ankle. So now I duck under it, and uh, I say, I want to introduce myself. And they go, get out of here. Like, I just want to introduce myself. Get him out of here. I just want to introduce myself. I'm a, a bit of an amateur detective. And then the, the, I don't yell what they cuss at you 
mostly. And then I've got to call Dennis Becker, who is my buddy in the local. And I go, Dennis, they did it again. I was down there offering my help. Now I want to, I'm getting older. I want to volunteer. And I go down there and your buddies hassled me again. You know, what good is it knowing someone like yourself, Detective Junior Grade Dennis Becker, Dangerous Davis, they call you. If they, listen, just let me talk to someone. Let me just be around there at the, I'll keep my hands to myself. Just let me be at the crime scene, a pair of eyes. That's all I ask is that I, that you let me go in there and look around and, um, maybe question witnesses I, or just let me see the it. I'll question them later. There's nobody, uh, nobody can really stop me from talking to people just normal. So just let me know who saw it also. I'm going to go in there. Who was witnessing your life? Who is watching your life? And are they judging it? Are they supporting it? Are they in there with you? Are they working against you? Yeah, honey, they're working against me. Then let's talk about putting a spell on them. (laughs) What kind of spell can we put on them? Well... Let's uh, ignore him for a spell. That's a good one. And then we'll what we'll do is we'll concentrate on uh, our on our own experience here instead of justifying it. I find it difficult to justify my choices all the time, so I just uh, uh, obfuscate them. That's easy. And then and I don't invite people to talk about them. I was. Uh, maybe I've said this last week, though. Somebody said, are you incurious? I notice you don't ask people like about themselves or their background. Are you not interested? And I said, I'm interested in what they're thinking now about the current situation and their employment, not so much, because I just have uh, so many friends who aren't sort of doing their life's calling or anything. I'm not going to say, you know, uh, so what do you do? You know, well, I work at a soul-crushing job that I can't even explain. I mean, it's that bad. I don't even know what I do. I mean, I could tell you the details of it or I could give you the jargon, but I I don't even really know what it is. I just know sometimes I don't do it right or something, apparently. I don't know. And I live in fear of losing my livelihood. And every time I get sick, I panic. So, uh, you know, so I don't really ask people what they do as, as, as much as I try. So you say, what is the antidote to that? Don't know. But I know I'm not going to wreck people's now. So if we're together, I'm going to say, what do you think of that thing over there? What do you think of that cloud? Do you think that cloud looks like I love Lucy? <laughs> what you're talking about. And then we laugh or something. But, oh, you know, we'll go or we we'll go explore something together. I love to do that. Let's go, you and I, let's meet somewhere and let's break into something. A lot of people get you for trespassing on places where you're not even doing anything wrong. They just love to keep you out of their way with weird way with ownership that way. You know, it's just them not using something, but they don't want anybody else to use it either. So you're trespassing. I'm walking through an empty mall. You know, get out of here. Why? I'm not doing anything. You know, get out. It's not yours. I don't know. I mean, I'm walking. I think both of us are walking around a lot of places that aren't ours, buddy. Really? Yeah, 
uh, here, let me sing you a song. I was, uh, while I'm at it, I will t sing you a song about people coming into other places. And it was, uh, I was thinking about the other day about high school. A lot of times our teachers would come in and they would have done a lot of alcohol or cocaine or something the night before. And then go, we're just going to watch a movie or a film strip or something. Sometimes film strip was too much effort. You know, they were going, Nathan, you run this one. So there was nobody named Nathan in my school. That that wasn't a name then. Um, so, but they, they uh, what was the name? David, Steve. Everybody was Steve, I think. And um, so, uh, <coughs> Robert. So Robert and Steve, and they would they would might run the projector, and I remember one movie was I think about like Ellis Island or something. They liked that a lot, Ellis Island, and um, I don't know what the, the whole point was like. You know what? Uh, Irish people and Italians are white people too. Or I think was the point or something. But there was so there's this movie on uh, immigration, Ellis Island. And uh, supposed to make you feel patriotic or something, and then, but the—that's not the point of what I'm saying. But it was the Buffy Saint Marie song that played, and was I believe maybe the theme music to this school movie, and it was the song "Welcome, Welcome, Immigrante," and it—it it, it kind of like "Welcome, Welcome, Immigrante." I am proud, I am proud, I am proud of my forefathers, for they something, and then they something else. Something like that. And, uh, all right, fantastic. But that song stuck with me for so long. And so, uh, whenever I say welcome now, part of my brain gives the countersign, which is welcome. I say welcome, and then inside my head I hear, Welcome, immigrante, like that. It's meaningless. But uh, maybe it's also a nice reminder to welcome others always. Hey, come on. Come on, let's do this. I've been waiting for you. I want to invite you in to my life. And I have to trust you. Like, no, uh, human beings, you know the, the, the treachery of other humans, you know. And uh, you can make yourself fearful of all humans. And nobody would think you were crazy because you know, oh, they're treacherous and dangerous animals. And at the same time, they are uh, welcoming and loving creatures. Well, which one are you going to get? I don't know. Well, how do you guarantee you're getting one and not the other? No one's ever been able to figure that out. No one's ever been able to figure that out. Oh, oh, we don't know. I don't know that we all know. You know, so when you open yourself up to others, oh, you do take that risk. You know, will it be, uh, it's like mystery day. Will it be a dream or a dud? Something like that. Mm. Will it be the kind of gorilla that picks uh, lice out of your scalp? 
or the kind of gorilla that rips your head off. There's two, it's probably a third, that just like gets, that's really mad, gets so mad it's scary. But who knows, there are all types of primates and terrifying. So I understand this, and I search, I say, hey, I'm trying to be, and that's an important distinction, trying to be one of the gentle creatures, and I welcome you to uh, in to my floating uh, country, society of gentle creatures. My cat is screaming in the background, and because I don't, I don't like this. You're raising your voice again, because to and to the cat, I'm just yelling into a stick, and it thinks I've lost my mind, and I'm so much bigger, you know. So its fear is is correct. Fear. When I think about major crimes like a murder or something like that, I, I often think I wonder if there were any other little crimes that the person committed that kind of have to be overlooked just because they all said that murder is overshadowing everything, like littering. You think, I bet a lot of people commit litter. Commit litter? Well, you know, that's really uncool. It's so uncool to litter. You know, so you do something, just because you do did something morally reprehensible and evil, doesn't mean that you also don't do things that are uncool. I think. I know it, goes the, it might go the other way, too. You know, that person who just tosses, casually tosses garbage out of their car. They could be harboring other, you know, violent tendencies. So don't maybe just pick it up and don't say anything. <laughs> I think about a lot of things. Just don't hurt me. And even if I was bigger, would I, I mean, really, do you just want to, do you want to do the right thing? Uh, or do you want to err? on the side of confrontation because you think you'd win it. You know, when I think that about, not to be obsessed with Reacher or anything, but this idea that, um, you know, that intimidation can bring justice or something or respect. And I don't know uh, that, uh, uh, I don't want to be victimized, you know, but I wonder what I, I would offer, like if I was confronting somebody who was doing something, you know, hey, you need to stop that stabbing. I wonder what the best way, you know, what you need to do is learn about seven or eight secret martial arts. I know, right? Yes. Well, there's all sorts of, there's, I guess there's no good way to, to solve these problems. So I'll probably get back to talking about cartoons. And I think a lot of times it's just, you know, if you were setting out on a, a mission, you were going, say, I need to march into the frozen tundra to defend our base camp from uh, in invaders. And I'd say, hey, first, you're going to have some soup. So I think I can feed something in you without giving you any battle plans or advice. I'm not going to tell you how to do or how to fight or what are the best swords or anything like that because I don't know. Sharp ones? I'm being silly, but I do know that you have to stay strong and fuel up. And how do you how do you do that? Because every day is a challenge. You know, it's one thing. Um, I think people don't realize that with any kind of endeavors that it's a every day is a thing. 
It, it isn't like um, this is one or two. You know, you got to live your life every single day. And uh, all sorts of things crop up. And it's imp- sometimes people can keep a long-range focus and make things happen. And other people, you know, it's one crisis to the next. And that's being human. So what am I offering? I say it wouldn't hurt to do it with funny puppets or funny hand puppets. Or I'm just throwing things out. I don't know. We could all get hats. There must be some. Uh, uh, or I could spend some time with you. The old-fashioned way on the radio, the way they used to do when your grandparents were not quite unemployed but were afraid to say it's back. Let's say it's right after the, let's say the depression is over, but your family is still depressed. Say, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. It's the 1950s, and we make stuff that says 40s on it. I'm trying to think what would be dated by then. War bonds. No, that would be, who would, whose family would make war bonds? I don't know, whatever you make. People aren't buying it anymore. Okay, that's great. So, oh, we make money off of Joe Panner dolls. I've been, am I obsessed? I think so. I'm just surprised how famous somebody can be and then not famous. So famous that there you are. If you watch those old Warner Brothers cartoons, right next to like Bing Crosby and everything, there's Joe Panner. And you, you watch it as a kid, and you go, that's Bing Crosby. And you can like pick people out, because like even though you're five or something, they're all still famous, kind of. <clears throat> and then you're like, and that, I don't know who that is, Zeppo? You go, no, it's just like, I know, right? But it's Joe Penner. So uh, that's the thing. It is, I, I don't even think he did anything. Like sometimes you have to fatty Arbuckle, but he didn't even do, he didn't do that. Fatty Arbuckle may have not done that. Do tell. I'm not telling. It's not this kind of show. This isn't uh, Hollywood Babylon. That'd be fun, though. I wish I knew I could tell you. Here's some gossip. I know. Oh, because I know so many famous people because of the restaurant. No, I don't have a restaurant and don't know any famous people that I know of. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I want, what if you did and you didn't know it? You know, it's like I just thought he's on a, on a bowling team. I didn't know he's a movie star. I'm sure there's somebody like that going around. Say, oh, yeah, that fellow's, uh, uh, you know, I think I just wrestled Tom Hardy. That actually happened. So, um, but who knows? I could, there could be all around me people I thought was, and be so, feel stupid saying something to somebody's famous, something ordinary, you know? So I had to sell blood the other day. <laughs> Pay my electric bill or something. I didn't, by the way. Oh God, Artie, I'll Venmo you. No, 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 I didn't. I'm just, I'm just saying that's real, right? And you say that to your celebrity friend, and they go, oh, okay. Um, but maybe they're, you know, and they're thinking, well, I could be out of work any time because who knows? They might cancel my lucrative Netflix series. And I don't. That'd be wonderful. Wouldn't it be wonderful just to have? I would like a lucrative. Uh, TV series where I didn't have to do anything, though. How do you do that? Just a cartoon. I wish I was, if I was that famous, I just saw my image. I go, I'm done with my face. Y'all use it. Just send me a check. That'd be lovely. But I think the Three Stooges might have been like, ah, we're through. You can make cartoons, though, and then we'll use that money for our nursing homes. So, uh, 
Larry Fine in the motion picture country home. He was uh, there for a while, and uh, we all might end up in that sort of situation. And so there's no reason you can't tell the other people there that you were like a famous vaudevillian. That's the place to lie. I understand that about the villages. I think people lie like crazy because they say they had this life they didn't have. It's great. Who's going to check it? It's hard to check. We have the Internet now. It's not as easy as you think. First of all, they make you pay for the juicy stuff. It's kind of hard to track people down and stuff unless they've done something really heinous. And even then, it ain't as easy as you think. So you can go into your retirement home and go, yeah, you know, I was in the motion pictures like that, you know believe you and you might get popular i don't know what you get extra pudding or applesauce or whatever but you, if that's a priority and you get extra of it when i don't know are you saying you should lie no i'm saying when there's no when there's no uh consequences you can self-create in a very free fashion i think like we did when we were young and you'd go to camp and you'd make up stuff about yourself. I never did that. I never did either because I didn't want to go to camp because I was afraid of other children. I didn't want to sleep near them or anything. What are they going to do when you're asleep? It might sneak up on you. So I did not want to do that. Even the day, those summer day camps, I did not feel I was being adequately supervised ever. I said no after about day one. I said, uh, mother... I do not believe they are adequately supervising. Don't say that because then you go into a religious one or something. You know, here, all right. It's off to uh, church or something. So you go, oh, that'd be nice. A temple daycare. And then um, you'll learn. There you go. But I w- used to see signs all the time that would say, um, what do they call summer Bible camp or something like that? And I thought, that sounds terrifying. I mean, summer camp's one thing. That's hard enough. Bible camp? What aspect of the Bible do they incorporate into the camping? Who knows? Because when someone says, a lot of times when they use that word biblical, they mean something harsh or something or, you know, seedy. You know, it was a biblical kind of proportions that they went, but... I don't know, Bible, summer Bible camp. I would, uh, I guess, and it's a school. Maybe they say Bible school. That's even worse than camping. It's a bit, Yes, so for the summer, we've enrolled you into a, into a seminary. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. I wouldn't, uh, I had to go say we're going to, even though it's not your religion, you're going to go live with Trappist monks. And make fudge every summer. All right. So learn some damn Latin prayers is all I'm going to say. Because they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of, you know, glares if you don't. Mostly glares. I don't know that they'll say anything. Can they say things? Oh, they speak. There's no bow science. No, but they do a lot of work. They make cheese and they make fudge. And then they say prayers like, I don't know, like 10 times a day or something crazy like that. Maybe 12 because there's 12 apostles. They do everything in a dozen. They make these chocolates. They pack them by the dozen because of the apostles and everything. Everything has to be a Bible number. You remember? Yeah, I remember I used to uh, uh, work over at the rabbinical school. Yeah, and we would make fudge. And we had to have, there had to be 613 pieces in every single one. That's amazing. That's something. 
Uh, what are you talking about, Hardy? Well, I'd like to, I'm opening up my own religious school. Um, but it's mostly going to be fun facts, not, not theology. I just think, you know, here's the kind of hats they used to wear. And I love that about Father Brown, because this one on TV, he wears, a, it's the 50s. It's supposed to be the 1950s. And he's wearing a, like a 20s shovel hat, like one of those clerical, I think it's called a shovel hat, which just looks like a wash basin or something, but black. Really weird. And, uh, or, uh, oh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. But it's not, I can, let's see, if you were wearing something that was 30, 40 years out of fashion, what would that be like? I don't know, because clergy don't wear enough hats now. I guess they do, you know, I guess some Hasidic rabbis wear certain, but they've got even strict about what kind of hat. They wear a different, one sect might wear a Hamburg, one a fedora, you know? So, um, all sorts of things. Hmm. I'm trying to think if you and I start a religion, whether we should get an official hat or whether that's a waste of time. Certainly wouldn't make it a requirement. But it might look into having something designed or having, it might be fun to just have a committee look at a series of designs and then show them to everybody, the congregation. Say, y'all want to go with this or, you know, yes or no. And But if they said yes, it wouldn't be like a baseball hat or something. I mean, a really original design. Something interesting that we could all wear. Maybe every season, you know. Um, they're practical hats at their best. They keep the sun out of your eyes. They keep the weather out of your face. They're not a bad thing. And for somebody like me who's, you know, doesn't have their hair anymore, keep your head warm. I rely on them. In the new season of uh, True Detective, they're in Alaska. And they're wearing, because it's super cold, they wear those kind of hats that cover their ears as well. And that are real furry, like I don't know what they call mailman hats or something. Mailman winter hats. They don't call them that there. Uh, but something like that. Or a parka or a Canadian goose jacket. Or duck diapers, which are great. And um, you know what's repellent? What? Your joke? Duck feathers. Um, water repellent, that is. Hi, I'm Hardy White. Have you ever, has this ever happened to you? Ooh. See, it's the radio, so you don't even know what's happened. So maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But it's not worth the risk, and I think that you should buy one of these. What is it? Just trust me. Send me some money, I'll send you one. I can't describe it. I'll put it in a little box. It's not very big. Send me money for it. That's going to be my premium. I shouldn't tell, man, I wish my premium was, I already said what it was, I don't, but I was going to like do a CD for my marathon premium this year, but um, gosh, I wish I could just send like a, just a box of random objects to the station, and then that's what they send you, but I think postage-wise, I think that would be iffy, unless the things could fit into an envelope, but just, just stuff, little things. Tchotchkes, like, uh, I don't know, Jim Crack, Gim, gim Gobs, Goo Gogs, Jim Jibops, Bip De Boops, little sh Schmingle Name Almonds, you know, like little, uh, you know what a great are, like uh, little Japanese good luck charms, 
You know, what's in it? Don't open it. Who knows what's in it? It's good luck, though. I carried a good luck charm for years that I had made, and I forgot what was in it. Which I guess that's good. But then I couldn't tell him I'm having good luck. I'm having bad luck. So I finally, I finally got rid of it. But I think it had weird, some kind of weird root in it. I don't know. Do you believe in magic? No, I believe in fool, self foolery. Is that a thing? I believe in constructive self delusion, and you can do that with objects. It's only, it's like uh, self hypnosis. And I think it helps to be at the at the deepest level conscious of it. Like I don't think it's good to be having a, being a type of fool that's outside of your control, like duped. But I think if you can self delude and there's an off button, so that you don't self delude into oblivion or harm, then some of it's okay, like a belief system, you know. But I think the, 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 the minute you try to affix it to reality, you know, you're going to run into trouble. So don't bother, <laughs> I would say. That would be my advice. If I had any advice to anybody, it would be, you know, believe something deeply. Just don't, just don't go to that extra step where you, just, you think it's real or you think it's somebody else's reality. Uh, it isn't. But it doesn't mean it doesn't do all the things that you say it does. You know, could could really do that. Uh, the stories that you tell yourself can sustain you, even if they're fake. But I, I, uh, I, I think you should know they're fake. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Otherwise, there's nothing that distinguishes me from your pastor or your rabbi, other than. Uh, you know, maybe at the, I would be willing to concede very quickly and if asked directly that there is nothing at the center of uh, a Tootsie Pop, no matter how many times you chew. One, how many bites? Take an infinite amount of bites. Keep biting, keep biting down, there's nothing there. Oh, my goodness, I am floating in a sea of probability. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that I, I don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. Maybe I do. The closer I get to it, I sort of do. You probably don't know, too. And it's just the idea of all of us careening down the mountainside at high velocity without really being able to see each other and the chaos that ensues. Oh, how frightening. You need the hearty white to be there to hold your heart in your hand and say, oh... Let's take a deep breath together and let us uh, 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 together both center one another and let ourselves dissipate into oblivion, into nothingness. Oh, the burden of being me is lifted. I'll be a cloud with Hardy. Hardy won't be a little cloud with me. I do. Let's dissipate. Let's just be a uh, mist right now. Oh, it's such a burden being myself. Right now, I'm going to take a deep breath. And when I'm exhale, I'm going to temporarily exhale all the thoughts and the tangled web of story that is linked to others and uh, society and the way it sees me and its demands of me. And I'm going to breathe it out temporarily and step over here outside of my body a bit. I'm going <gasps> to 
There goes work me. There goes responsibilities me. Now I'm on a float in a timeless mist with Hardy. Hi, hi. Are you floating in a timeless mist? I am. What's your name? I already forgot. What's your name? I forgot, too. What are we doing? I don't remember. Do you smell gravy? Gravy? What is that? I don't know. I don't know either. What now? I'm a flower. Um, what kind of drugs you on, Hardy? That's not drugs right there. That's beyond it. You know, people take drugs to, uh, to, to cope with uh, their situation and to, to uh, escape reality. But I think it's very, very easy to escape reality. We often don't need any help at all. Just uh, let it go. You real, I think, realizing the absurdity of it and conceding that or maybe having someone else acknowledge and we all do it together, it's very easy to transcend that. If you don't believe me, you go online and you watch one of these ecstatic religious experiences where people are in church and there's some uh, charismatic charlatan in front of them getting them all worked up into an ecstatic state. They start dancing around. They fall over like dominoes. (gasps) Oh, they're having an actual experience and uh, they're having a real neurological experience. And it's the interpretation of it uh, that is up for grabs. And they're letting someone who likes money interpret it. But if it was interpreted for, you know, some uh, benevolent uh, reason, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And we can do these things in one another. You get, you know, people get worked up in crowds and everything. It's because our, 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 our neurologies are connected. They really are. We respond to one another. We're not... In proximity to one another, we are able to affect each other's nervous systems. It's just a fact. If I was come up to you and scream at you, and I was monitoring all the things that happened, there would be increased activity, believe me. And so, you know, and, and it's even like that on the subtle level. People get embarrassed or excited and everything. But, you know, in groups, you can really, there's a group dynamic or energy, and it isn't really very mystical. It's uh, pretty organic. It's what you, how do you direct it? What do you use it for? And I say, at the, at the very least, let's use it for respite. We don't have to use it to indoctrinate ourselves with any special thinking. We don't have to use it to all get on the same page of things we like or anything like that. All we can do is rest here together, climb up on a rock, and acknowledge each other's struggles and say, I don't know where you're coming from, where you crawled up from, and I don't care. We are here to rest. You don't have to believe nothing, say nothing, say no names, chant nothing. You're just here resting together. Do you need that? That's something. What is this? Just rest. Don't give it a name. Don't name it all the time. Describe it all the time. Go ahead and feel. Whew, we're off here. Come on. Big hug. It's all right. Thank you. You're welcome. We're just resting. We'll rest together here on this rock, and then we're going to crawl back into our our wonderful robot, torturous robot bodies, and uh, go right back again. But know that this special place is always here for you. You can always rest here together with me and others. You know you're not here alone. Um, and there's other uh, patient and understanding people here with you.
They're all out there on the radio. It's weird that so many of them are in New Jersey. But now I've come to understand that this is for uh, special spiritual reasons. And, uh, you know, I am a bit of a, a, a mystic. And, but that is, my mysticism is only because I, I choose to uh, uh, cling to connections that I see, whether I can explain them or not. So I don't discard coincidence and I don't discard evidence, even if I don't have any uh, proof to connect it to any real thing. So when I say that some pl a place can be special, even though it may not seem it, or it can be uh, blessed or cursed, even though it may not seem that way on the surface, I really do believe that. I believe that are subtle things, and they probably have explanations, but I'll never get to them. But I can feel it. <gasps> I can feel it. Oh, my goodness. And sometimes in New Jersey, from the people I'm around, I can feel something very special. You say, well, what's that about? I know a lot of people are having struggles. Oh, <gasps> I know, but I've also experienced love at its deepest. So think about that for a moment. And a lot of us know what it means to experience love at its deepest in a place that may not seem obvious or obviously beautiful. But there is a, you know, time is a long sausage and you're just seeing one slice of it. And so there are beautiful places that may not seem beautiful now, but nothing can rob them of their specialness, not even the scars of mankind's folly. Oh, oh my goodness, friends. I can't believe how fast it goes being together. It's just a dream of mine, and I love, I hope that you had a wonderful hour. Wake up. Wake up now. Let's go. Wake up. Work to do. Uh, bless you. Oh, my, oh, my stomach hurts, Hardy. Well, I'm sorry. Well, uh, tune in again next week then, I guess, because I'm here every Thursday for a while. And uh, I love being here with you. And coming up, we've got the marathon coming up in March. I'm going to be there live. I'm excited about that. Get your tickets. And I'm wishing you so many blessings. What are you, uh, what are we listening to? What are you listening to? What are we listening to? Oh, you're listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online at WFMU dot org worldwide around the world the way that radio was meant to be around the world each time and every day you are listening you are listening now to in fact radio and uh i'm i'm blessed i'm blessed to have you here and stick around there's more greatness um let's see what else um gosh there was something i was going to tell you i guess i'll just sing i i like to sometimes i've been lately i've been singing the cow burnett theme to go out so i'll sing that for you i'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and sing a song. 
Seems we just got started, and before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody.
through the park Breathing, yes, man I look around And I see no Hell Somebody around. 